What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, on episode number 49, we sat down with Sarah Beal and David Riddle, the two champions of the 2021 Super Bowl Trail Championships 50K. These two are some of the best ultra runners in the Midwest. Sarah finished fifth at the JFK 50, and David won the Mountain Miss 50K for the fourth straight year. Come hang out with us as we get to chat with these two incredible humans. Hope you enjoy this episode. Runner Nation. Tonight, we are so excited to have the winners of last week's Super Bowl 50K Trail Championships on David Riddle and Sarah Beal. Some way, somehow, Wesley's predictions were actually correct for potentially, I think, the first time ever in his entire life. I mean, based on his earlier prediction videos, I don't think this guy could have even guessed when snow days were coming as a kid. And he lived in Burton, so they got plenty of snow up there. Um, but anyways, here we are. We are so stoked to have them on tonight to talk about their races and everything that went down at Worcester Memorial Park. Sarah, David, how are y'all doing tonight? Good. Doing great. That's great to hear. As always, I'm Cam Wrench. I'll be hosting tonight with the lovely and red-bearded John Dolovacki III. JD, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well this evening. I am just chilling over here at the house. I had a good good exercise routine in today, and I'm excited to be on the show to talk to the, these two fantastic and really fast runners, something that I will probably never be, but it's great. Sarah, what are you drinking this evening? Um, a Mystic Mama, of course. I believe that's what you had last time you were on the show, too. Probably. How about you, David? What do you have over there? I've got a little uh, whiskey here, some bourbon whiskey. I've got a Henry McKenna um, single barrel, 10-year bottled and bond whiskey. Nice. I am drinking some Great Lakes beer. I got a Dortmunder, something a little light and refreshing for the evening because it's kind of almost... um, getting close to spring and as Wesley was saying earlier the best holiday probably the most underrated holiday of the year is coming up this weekend where the clocks change um so I'm much very excited about you know getting some more light later into the evening Kim what are you drinking I have a Wolf's Ridge Brewing Heartlandia and once again this lovely Nick Cozy that my friend Alex Dyer made for me if you would like one of your own at goosebelly underscore grandpa on Instagram just hit him up he's a great guy and this is just such a cute addition to all of my beers. <laughs> but anyways, with all that said, we're going to go ahead and just hop right in. Um, starting with Sarah, kind of take us through your race um, on last Saturday at Worcester Memorial Park. What was your thought process like going into the race? How did the morning of go? You know, What was the biggest surprise for you on the course? Things like that. Um. Well, starting with before the race, I drove up the morning of, um, so it was definitely an early wake up, uh, an hour and a half drive and then, um, got to the race about an hour early and just kind of hung out. Um, and then going into the race, I, I just kind of want to feel out the first loop. Uh, I ended up going a little faster than probably I'd originally planned. Um, but with that being said, I guess I didn't have like a major plan because, this was my first like full completely on the trail race. So I was just kind of trying to feel that side of things out um, in general. Um, definitely. I, I knew that there were Creek crossings, but not to that extent. I thought it was just like maybe step on a rock and get it over um, like the little 
Creek, but I did not realize that I was going to have to just completely go in the water, which I realized very, very, very quickly that Creek crossings are not my jam. Um, don't like wet feet. So that, uh, definitely was probably my least favorite part and the biggest surprise. Um, but just trying to, you know, stay consistent throughout the loops. Um, I, I guess the first couple loops, I was really afraid of bonking. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that I was getting enough nutrition, um, at the, um, or where each loop started, uh, which I probably still didn't get enough, but, uh, I didn't really have any issues with bonking. Uh, and then the last loop, uh, I still felt pretty good up until the last couple miles, but the whole loop in general was definitely slower, but it was a lot muddier. I think the last, um, loop around, uh, cause everyone would, like had ran on it a bunch of times. Um, but I mean, honestly, overall, like I felt super good and I had a really good time for my first official like trail trail race. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's coming after, um, your run at the JFK 50 in the fall yeah. and also coming after and the Olympic trials qualifier marathon for those of who don't know. Um, I don't actually remember which episode of Ridge Runners Live Sarah was on previously. Uh, that was about a year ago because I wasn't even a part of the show yet then. Um, yeah. So I had no involvement in that process, but we're stoked to have you back on and oh, yeah. to be a part of it this time. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. A lot has and, changed in a year, that's for sure. Yeah. And so with that said, you ended up taking third overall at this race, including beating your coach, Michael Owen, who just finished fourth. How does it feel to like beat your coach in an event? You know, we know Mo's been dealing with some injury stuff, but did you have a moment there when you saw him cross the finish line? Like, Hey, am I the captain now? What's going on here? (laughs) Well, um, as Wes had said in his predictions, um, or I guess, kind of framed him um the lebron james uh definitely felt like you know beating lebron james at a um dunking contest so it felt it was it was fun but uh at the same time he's not in his normal shape so you know it is what it is but um it it was it was just a fun time uh we ran together for a little bit on the second uh part of the or no the last little part of the loop um, for a little while and just kind of talked a little bit about how we were feeling, which was really cool. Um, it was just fun to be in the same race as my coach too. So it, it was fun overall. Yeah. All right. I just, I had that one like locked and loaded going in tonight. Cause I wanted, I knew I wanted to get kind of a shot at Mo. Cause I always like taking those. Um, I'm sure I'll get a text the LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you said this was your first ever sort of fully on trail um, race. JFK, for those who don't know, it finishes on a towpath and then road, some like hilly paved country roads. What did you do anything different training leading into this race because it was all going to be single track? Did you do any recon at Worcester Memorial Park or what else did you have going on? Um, nothing was really different, I guess. Um I mean, I've upped my mileage a little bit, but nothing's um, changed, I guess, trail-wise. I I was planning on going the week before, um, but I had some things um, pop up, so I wasn't able to drive up to Worcester the week before. So I was kind of going into it a little blind, but it worked. Yeah. All right. And so we talked in our pre-show episode about the online race coverage that Brian Poland was going to be doing. What 
did it feel like having those people out on course at like the various spots? Um, did you pay attention to that at all? Was anybody at home following along with that kind of stuff? Um, I guess I wasn't really paying attention throughout the race. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone was following along, um, just kind of, um, checking in after the race to see how it went. Um, but I, I don't think anyone was following at the time. How about you, David? Was that, um, same kind of feeling there with the media coverage or was that any different for you? Yeah. You know, I saw the camera out there and I knew there was going to be some coverage, but you know, you get into race mode and you're just totally focused on what you've got to do, uh, focused on your competitors and your nutrition and everything. And so I, I just kind of tune that out and I don't think about it honestly during the race. Um, so it, uh, it's great that it's there. I, I don't really know. Um, I didn't really hear about anyone following along specifically, but, um, uh, I just was out there doing my thing and, uh, noticed the, you know, I noticed the DJ and the coverage at the end and all the interviews and the video. And I obviously saw the traffic on Facebook, but as far as during the race, it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of difference to me. I just, uh, you know, too focused on what I'm trying to do out there. Now, if we jump back further into the beginning of your race, you're, you're further away from, you couldn't, you could have driven up in the morning up, but probably not what you did. I imagine. Right. Yeah, I was, I'm about three hours away. Um, so I reconned as best I could on Strava, um, did a little bit of research. And then, um, Friday I drove up during the day, checked in a hotel and then, uh, went out to the course and I did like a three mile loop on the last section of the course to get a feel for it. And, and I think that really gave me a pretty good idea of what I needed to do to get started. And so then I was able to kind of pace myself in the first loop and, and feel like it really set me up well. Yeah. And so David, going into this race, right, we've already had a lot of talk about Michael Owen, but the field itself was not exactly thin with just him at the front for the men's field. Uh, Gabe Rainwater being there, Arlen Glick as well, Travis Zipfel. Um, did you give any thought to what the competition was going to be like before heading into this race? You know, um, I, I grew up in Alabama and um, I've lived in Cincinnati for 10 years now, but still my running social circle is still based in the South and I go race in the South a lot, but I haven't raced North of Cincinnati. Uh, I think I try, I've done Mohican twice, at least started twice, but I just haven't fully gotten ingrained in kind of the more Northern Ohio racing scene. So a lot of these names weren't familiar to me. Um, I'd looked at some of the results, but I didn't know exactly who was going to be there until the list got, the start list got put out. And I did try to kind of see who was in the eight o'clock start group. Um, but still I looked up the, um, uh, ultra sign up ratings and kind of got a feel for it, but it didn't tell me a whole lot. And actually Wes's predictions were the most helpful thing I got, but I still didn't really know how to put a name to a face at the time. Um, I, um, so a lot of it uh, was just going out there running my race and see who, see if I could figure out who was there uh, as we went. But um, I had raced Travis before. Uh, I'm familiar with Michael Owen, but uh, Gabe and Jacob, I, I didn't know at all. Yeah. Okay. And so <clears throat> heading into this race, David, um, were you targeting this sort of like as an A race? Were you looking to get, you know, like a really stout performance here? Or was this kind of building towards something bigger later in the year? 
So I would say my A race was back in late January, um, Mountain Mist 50K in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. It's uh, I've run it 10 times now and won it nine, and I consider it kind of my hometown 50K race. Um, so I do it every year. And this was kind of like, um, I came out of Mountain Mist, thought oh, I'm still in pretty good shape. I'd like to run another trail race this winter. Let's just hop in this one kind of late notice. Uh, unfortunately I rolled my ankle running on the roads at night, uh, three or four weeks ago. So I almost didn't make it to the start line and I wasn't quite as sharp as I had hoped. I had pretty good fitness coming out of mountain mist and I knew that, but, um, after the ankle roll injury and just kind of coming down a couple weeks from, from mist, I wasn't in definitely not in peak peak shape and I wasn't totally tuned for this course, but I knew I was strong just based on my, uh, the winter of training. So um, we'll call it a B race. Yeah, absolutely. And what about you, Sarah? We know that you're being coached by Mo, but what did he sort of think going into this race and how are you sort of approaching it? Um, kind of as a B race, uh, I'm doing promised land in um, a little over a month. Uh, so that's more of an A race. So this was kind of, we just trained through, took, um, the week leading up to it a little bit easier, but I still had a workout and, um, somewhat normal mileage just backed off a little bit, but, um, nothing, no tapering type of stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. And so going into the, this race as like a B race, and as you said, you both kind of started pretty patiently, you were trying to feel things out. Tell me, how does that differ towards the end of the race. Are you looking still to fully empty the tank when you finish, you're going to be totally spent um, or are you pulling back? Are you actively trying to slow down there towards the end as someone who doesn't have that elite kind of speed? That's something I've like never truly experienced the end of any 50 K really I'm feeling pretty worked. Um, and David, if you want to start with this one. Yeah. So the first loop, I always try to make, I'm not, on a 50k so this was a four loop 50k first loop quarter of the first quarter of the race i try to make feel pretty easy and it did feel quite easy somehow no matter how hard i try the last loop or the last three uh last quarter of the race is always hard um no matter how far i'm ahead no matter how easy i'm supposed to race if there's a timer and a crowd and people run the race with me i'm gonna go hard um so yeah, I didn't, I didn't take it out hard, but I still finished pretty hard and it's just really hard to turn that competitiveness off. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I also love that. It's like, this was your guys' B races. <laughs> you both won them. Oh, that cracks me up so much. Sarah, what were you going to say for that question? Um, well, I was just going to like, I agree. It's kind of hard. I feel like, uh, when you do get in that competitive mindset to just ease up a little bit, I definitely felt, um, in the last loop, like I felt pretty good. So maybe I had a little bit more in me that I could have pushed, you know, going throughout the race, but definitely, um, pretty tired the last couple miles, but it's hard just to turn it down a little bit in any type of race, no matter if it's a race or a B race, especially when you're catching your coach. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit more motivation. At that, at that point, you'd pass them, right? Just left them in the dust. 
I wouldn't say that, but (laughs) I mean, I think it was uh, a couple of miles into the last loop um, that I passed or I ran with them for a little bit. And then kind of, as we were making another climb, uh, we parted ways. Nice. Um, I just want to remind everyone who's in the chat, ask, drop any questions in there. We'll make sure we get them off to Sarah and David. Um, If you like what we're doing and enjoying this episode, please go ahead and give us a subscribe and like along the way. Um, we greatly appreciate all the help and support from everyone who's watching. Um, I want to dive into nutrition. I always love discussions around nutrition and how people fuel. Um, so what was your nutrition plan for the day? What did you start with? Like, what was your like kind of pre-race idea? And then what did you do during the race to keep yourself fueled? It's a short race, so it may not be as much as you would for like a, you know, ultra ultra, but, um, what were you guys doing on that? If, uh, Sarah, you want to go first? Um, yeah, so I had um, some spring energy, um, like prior to the race, my plan was spring energy. Um, I had some Gatorade, um, some Pepsi, of course, um, and then some Cliff, uh, I think they were Cliff Chews, um, but it ended up where I just had, I'd say maybe one of the um spring energy and I try to space it out through like an entire loop, uh, just because if I have too much at once, I almost throw it back up. So I kind of had to space that out. Um, and then I had, Oh, I had tailwind as well. Um, always tailwind. Uh, so I had tailwind. Um, I took my handheld on the first loop and then the third loop. And then I think I had maybe one of the chews. So I definitely didn't have as much nutrition as I should have. Um, but it, the little that I had seemed to work throughout, but yeah. What are you, David? Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I don't think you want to take nutrition advice from me. I'll tell you what I did, but uh, <laughs> it seems as I get older, I get worse at the nutrition side of things. So um, uh, let's see, starting in the morning, all I had to, for breakfast was a ginger ale and a granola bar. Uh, that's about all I can convince myself to to eat on uh, race morning. Um, so, um, started the race with Pedialyte in my bottle actually, um, doesn't have a lot of calories, but it's got a lot of salt in it. And I think it tastes pretty good. You can pick it up at the drugstore. So, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to find. You don't have to order it like some of the specialty running stuff. So I've been using Pedialyte lately. Um, so it was pretty cold to start. So I didn't drink much the first loop. So I, I went into the second loop with the same bottle of Pedialyte that I had drank about half of. And I too had a spring energy gel, which gels haven't been working well for me at all the last few years, but spring energy um, seems to have something going that, you know, just tastes a little more like real food than, than the typical goo gels. So um, I had to kind of coax it down a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, so that, that worked pretty well. I was proud of myself for getting a gel down, start a loop two. It didn't take me the whole loop, but you know, maybe a mile, but, uh, um, so that was pretty good. And then, um, loop three, I picked up a water and I had a, um, chocolate goo gel. Um, so, uh, to get two gels down, that's, uh, like a PR nutrition day for me. <laughs> Um, and then the third loop, I, uh, just did a quick refill. I had a bottle of Gatorade and just put it in my handheld and, and took off, um, to keep, keep moving. And that's what I survived the last loop on. Okay. Definitely 
definitely different approaches um, than what I would do personally. Sarah, I'm really intrigued though. You mentioned having like your bottles and nutrition on laps one and three on then two and four, were you carrying in nothing with you while you ran or did you have a bottle and you just didn't drink from it or something like that? I just didn't carry anything. (laughs) I just kind of left it um, at the little start area of the other loop. And um, yeah, I didn't, I don't know if it was just, I just didn't want to have anything in my hands on those loops. So I didn't plan that either. I just kind of first loop, I was kind of over it. And then I'm like, it's on the um, third loop. I'm like, okay, I should probably take it again. Um, So not really planned, but it worked. Yeah. I'll I'll say that there are times when you just don't want to hold anything in your hand Mm -hmm. and it gets, you get tired of it. So I actually wear a vest and while I haven't had good luck with, carrying the the collapsible bladders on me or or anything like that i found that i can put my bottle in the backpack part and it sits there pretty good and so i can have it with me and put it away for climbs if i want to hike or anything like that so that's like a little pro tip i use um throw it in there like it's a like it's a quiver back there in the back and it it sits pretty good i'll have to try that for sure thanks yeah and i've definitely i I've tried those. They make those bottles that you're supposed to tuck into the waistband of your shorts. And Mm -hmm. they just apparently do not work for people who are shaped like I am because I ejected that one day at high banks, Metro park, and (laughs) I have yet to see it since. So yeah. Are those the simple simple bottles, simple hydration? Uh, yeah, I believe that's the brand. It's got kind of the hook on it. It's just, yeah, it was actually like those. Uh, I probably, it probably would have worked really well in this race with about an hour loop being cold. It just doesn't mm-hmm. quite hold enough if it's, uh, you know, a warmer day and, and you're an hour between between aid stations. But uh, it's a pretty innovative idea. I, I have a couple of those. Hmm. Let's look into those. I've never seen the side holstered ones. I just always use the like ultimate direction or whatever, like the collapsible ones on top. I guess from day one, I've been doing that. So it's not too much for me, but I'm also not running at an elite level where I need to consider how much weight and everything else I carry. But that's that. Um, let's see. They will mm-hmm. be back in a few minutes, probably. We have one. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Make it bell soft. That's, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Interesting. Yeah, that is. I feel like I would. Well, I feel like I would drop it. It would just disappear. It would bounce out or something. Oh. Huh. So it kind of contours to your back if you're shaped like me i don't know about cam he must be shaped weird back there but (laughs) (laughs) definitely don't have the average runner's build wesley likes to hype up my um my former football days and i'm not that shape anymore and i was never that good but he does love bringing that up almost every episode it's the two of you um speaking of of wesley he said he was actually watching the whole day following along so there was at least one person watching all of the super bowl coverage um And I think, David, I think you just made Wesley's year in the fact that you said his prediction video was useful and helpful to you. He is going to just run with that. So like, we're never going to hear the end of it. Like he's going to be very, very happy about that. Um, We do have a first question from Brianna Reese or Brianna Brown. Don't tell Reese that, you know, her name still says Tudor apparently in the chat. Um, (laughs) But she wants to know what races are on your 2021 calendars. So I have promised land, um, but then Leadville, I'm on the waiting list right now. Um, And then after that, I'm not really sure. 
When do they do the lottery for that one? Um, or what you're on the waiting list? I'm sorry, not the lottery. They're yeah, pulled it. The, wow. Yeah. Zing. I went over my head real fast. How far um, down are you on yeah. that list? I think it was like in the 20s. So you could maybe. That. Hopefully. That would be exciting. Mm-hmm. You have any experience at the like that altitude, or what would you do for nope. training for that? I don't really know. I haven't got that far yet, but uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> no experience at all, but I'm just kind of new to everything and winging it a little bit, sort of. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. what about you, David? You said that Mountain Mist was your A race and this was kind of a B race for you. Do you got bigger things planned for the summer or fall? Uh, I don't have a lot planned. Um, I was in Boston Marathon last year. I've never run Boston, and I've wanted to run it for a while, and obviously it got canceled last year. And so I'm waiting to see if it's going to happen this fall. Um, I, I'd like to do that if possible. Um, I did recently register for JFK, so I will planning to go back to JFK for the first time in about, mm, I guess it'll be nine, nine years now since I've been, so... Um, that's all I got on the calendar. I, um, I keep a pretty chill racing schedule nowadays with two kids and busy, you know, work life balance otherwise. So, um, uh, I kind of take what I can get and don't plan too far in advance usually. So, uh, you know, I'm, if I've already registered for JFK, I've, uh, been thinking about it already. So it's, I guess that's going to be my fall race, a race. Mm-hmm. And David, quick question. Um, do you have a coach or are you self-coached? I'm self-coached. Okay. I, I thought so. I just wanted to confirm uh, before I asked this follow-up that I had. When you're running at an elite level like you two are, do you always kind of feel like you can just hop in a race last minute and you've got like a good store of your fitness or like a sense of your fitness when you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to race. I can just hop in this one and, you know, one, two weeks out, you'll start to taper and then you'll be good. Or does it take sort of more thought than that? I feel like for an A race, at least, um, it kind of takes more preparation and, um, tapering, but, um, training wise, like, I mean, to jump into kind of a random race, sometimes it's just nice. You don't really have to taper too much, maybe like the day or two before, um, depending on, you know, where you're train you are at in training and if you've had some consistent training, but, um, for me in the past, I've been able to just kind of, um, kind of hop into things last minute and it's went, you know, okay. For the most part, as long as it's not like some, a bigger race. Mm-hmm. I'll say it really just depends. It depends on what you want to do. And an A race is only an A race because you expect yourself to perform at the ax- absolute maximum of your ability. In a B race, you're willing to uh, maybe not be quite as good as you could be if you were completely tapered and fully sharpened and completely healthy. Um, so you just have to be realistic going in and and know that it's it's if you're not tapered or if you're in the middle of a training cycle that you're just not going to be 100%. Yeah. Now your 98% may be good enough to still win a lot of races. Um, but it, you just have to be realistic with yourself and make sure it's part of the the plan and you, um, take that into consideration. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, I assume there's there's a difference between being coached and uncoached there. Sarah, are you ever thinking or just like 
texting Mo late at night and being like, Hey, there's a race this Saturday. Can I hop in this or is that not okay? Um, so I haven't yet. (laughs) Um, it's mainly just, well, I guess since there's not been a lot of races that hasn't been as much of an option. Um, but maybe eventually. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, and then to um, kind of circle back to Super Bowl, one thing that we haven't asked yet is we heard a lot about Worcester Memorial Park from Brian Poland on our preview show with him, and he he really loves the place. What was each of your favorite parts of the course or sort of like your favorite thing from the day that happened? Uh, David, if you want to lead this one off. Yeah, I, I think just the weather was, I mean, it was 20 degrees when we started, but the uh, the sky was absolutely crystal clear blue. Um, so that was incredible. But just the the surprising amount of terrain and variation there, I, I just don't think of Northern Ohio as um, being that diverse in, as far as terrain goes. But this, this Worcester Memorial Park is just this pocket of... Uh, I don't know. It's just incredible. The amount of terrain variation, it's got cliffs, it's got Creek crossings. Um, it's, it's just really pretty. And that was the most surprising thing is to find this kind of hidden gem up there in the, the cornfields of Northern Ohio. It's like in the middle, I think, but I mean, you start to get up more towards like Mohican and then the, the valley. So you get those, that terrain differentiating, like versus like if you went out towards Toledo, then it would be like the flattest of flatlands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've run, I've run Mohican, so I know it's there and we've got hills in Cincinnati. I, I don't really know what I expected, but the, uh, the climbs in that park are just, they're, they're only about 200 feet max, but they're just straight up and straight down. It was really, um, really surprising to find that there you feel the same way sarah about that or is it were you surprised about the course i was definitely surprised um i guess i'd never been to wooster before um but just that that was there um just even an hour and a half away actually after the race i was so impressed and kind of just shocked about that being just randomly in wooster um i was telling one of my friends and i think she's planning like a trip there to to do some trail running because it was just so nice and really good trails like good conditions it's good to hear i've not run out there yet i I know brian has uh hollered at me quite a few times to to see if you know because i go to it for work a lot he's like you should just come by and run and i'm like but i want to go home so (laughs) but i'll have to go down to that park too and check it out since i'm typically there like once a week um yeah it's worth it good to hear uh if we jump back i kind of want to go like way back like before super bowl like i want to know like um more about the two of you individually and the two of you individually as runners and what kind of got you to where you are today sarah i think we've done this a little bit on the last episode but i think there's a lot of new viewers and definitely different viewers tonight that may not know that story and david obviously you're new to the show so we don't know anything about you besides a super bowl championship winner so uh, David, you want to go first and kind of talk about like where you started in running and what kind of got you into the, you know, the trail and ultra scene and stuff like that. Sure. Um, I started running probably fourth grade, um, doing the mile run at school and showing some promise. And I jumped in a 5k with my dad, probably went about fourth grade and he thought he was going to hang back and run with me. And I smoked him. Um, and then, uh, 
you know, running in seventh and eighth grade, uh, cross country and track, uh, ran in high school, ended up going to college, uh, walking on at Auburn University, running uh, track and cross country at Auburn. Um, I was never, I wasn't recruited in high school. I never had a scholarship for running in college. Uh, I was pretty middle of the pack on a kind of a low end SEC team. Um, so I wasn't really that good in college. Uh, but after college, I uh, started tra- training for a marathon. I was trying to hit the Olympic trial standard for a few years and um, ended up running 226 when the standard was 222 at the time. And then they dropped it to 219 and that kind of put it out of my reach. So at the time I was living in Huntsville, Alabama um, and was had the, the Mountain Miss 50K was there and uh, names like Dink Taylor and Robbie Ungren, Dwayne Satterfield, who were, um, you know, like 80s and 90s legends in the sport uh, were there and just sucked me into the, the trail and ultra scene. And I started having success um, racing and just got hooked on it. And so that's that's kind of how I got into it. I've been a runner for almost 30 years now. I uh, just uh, continue to, to love it and enjoy the process. And uh, the trail and ultra uh, scene has been, been good to me. So still doing it. Awesome. Sarah, what about you? Um, so I got started with track first, my freshman year of high school, I did a bunch of different sports and I started out with track thinking I was going to be a sprinter. So that quickly changed. Um, and then started running cross country when I was a sophomore in high school and, uh, I went to a small D3 school in Ohio and, um, kind of had some success, um, with, uh, high school running. And I got recruited to go to Shawnee, which is an NAI school in Portsmouth, Ohio. Uh, and just my running career kind of took off, um, whenever I got there and the Shawnee state forest is right there as well. So we would go out there a couple times a week or a couple times a month and run a, a loop called hangover. And so that's kind of how I got introduced into the forest and, um, running like that. And then after college, I had started out with some road running. Um, I ran the Columbus half and then decided the next year to do the full and try to qualify for the Olympic trials. And uh, in 2018, at the Columbus marathon, I qualified for the Olympic trials, um, just about 35 seconds under the standard. So barely, but um, I qualified. And uh, so around this time last year is when I ran the Olympic trials before the world shut down, basically. So we were kind of lucky that we got to run it before all of that happened. Um, and then over the past year with the pandemic and a lot of the races getting canceled, um, I've just tried different things. Like I ran the the North loop and the South loop, um, at Shawnee two separate times. <laughs> um, and kind of, uh, had some fun with that. Um, and then I did, uh, the Columbus running company, um, find your limit challenge over the summer as well. 
and had a lot of fun running all day um, and just hitting, um, I think it was 61 miles that day. Uh, so with like a combination of all of that, um, and Mike can like trying to convince me for the past couple of years to do ultras, I decided to do JFK, um, and then had a lot of fun with it. And I guess here I am now. Yeah. And so you're, it's, it's been a transition. Yeah. And you're part of that, um, like interesting group trend that's happening, uh, especially since the start of the pandem- pandemic, when there's been a lot of track and field runners or, or marathoners, road mar- runners who are, are turning to trails and trail races and, and longer distance run. Um, and it's interesting to bring, um, I think it's adding, I think a lot more competitiveness uh, to the overall ultra running community and field. Um, you know, even now in Ohio, we've got, you know, huge depths at most of these races um, for competition and stuff like that. So it, it's, I think it's been a fun uh, trend to watch and it's, it's interesting to see, you know, people that we know who are part of this, you know, come on the show and talk to us and, and hear their perspective about how they got there and, and to, to do that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's always good to hear. Uh, I think people, once they get that ultra bug, it's just, it's there. Um, I know I had so much fun at JFK. Like it definitely hurt, but um, just the amount of fun that I had running that long and i had convinced myself before that i was gonna kind of hate it but i had a great time at jfk so kind of just running with that love it yeah um that's great to hear and so one thing i've been thinking about with both of y'all's backgrounds coming from that fast road marathoner sort of uh like part of the sport what was the biggest difference or transition for y'all when going from that sub elite like road scene to this like elite trail ultra marathon runner uh david if you want to take this one first um what was the hardest thing about it i i don't really think marathoning is harder to me than trail ultras um yeah whatever it trail ultras just came naturally to me and maybe it's because the the level of competitiveness is not there or maybe the you know the trial standard was just too too much for me um so i was putting a lot of pressure on me on the roads but uh for whatever reason the trail running came naturally to me i think um however my body works my natural physiology i'm just more comfortable at a little bit slower pace but i can run it for a really long time and obviously that uh is conducive to to trail ultras yeah and uh what about you sarah Um, so I, I definitely still love the road and, um, and love being on the trails too. And I feel like for me, they're difficult and different, um, ways. I feel like on the road, um, yeah, you know, the terrain's so, so much easier, um, mostly flat, but I feel like 26 miles feels like 26 miles, but, um, going to the trail, even, um, running the 50 K, I feel like that didn't feel as long as a road marathon felt. I think maybe just like, I'm more distracted by the trails and kind of paying attention to, you know, where I'm going, I'm going up and down and, and jumping over things. Um, and so I'm, I'm more distracted. Um, and the miles kind of, um, I, I don't want to say go by quicker, but mentally it's, 
it's not as challenging as a road marathon. I, they're just different in different ways, but I, I noticed that even um, the past weekend, the 50K didn't feel as long as a road marathon. And that does not make any sense, but for some reason it did. It's true. Um, we had Gabe and uh, Gabriel and Jake Ponrad on after their bigs performance this year. And they talked about how like a hundred mile and those, that 200 miles they did at bigs, their recovery time was significantly faster than if they were to do a regular road marathon. It's just like, they feel like they can go back out the next day. And it just, that train, like you said, talking about like 26 on a road feels like 26 versus, yes. you know, you know, 20 or, you know, 50 K on the trail is like, yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. So. We do have a, a chat uh, question in the chat from Wesley Harden asking um, for David says, what advice would you give a rising ultra running superstar like Sarah? Uh, I mean, she was only 15 minutes behind me at this race. I haven't seen a, a female that close to me in a 50 K in a long time. So uh, I don't know if I have any advice to give her. She's got a good coach. Um, she's doing everything right. Apparently, uh, I would say specificity in your training is the key to success. Um, yeah, I, I think she's got a lot to ring out at JFK based on how close she was to me at the 50 K and what I've done at, at JFK before she can go a lot faster there. So, um, training for that specifically, uh, if she wants to do that again, uh, would be really interesting. Um, so work with your coach and, and look at how you, um, train for that trail section to start with and then transition into the towpath and how you finish the rolling road section. Uh, that's, uh, I think a big secret to my success is training specificity and just knowing what the course I'm going to be running is like and trying to match that and training leading up to it. That's a really big key. You can, you can be a really fast road marathoner, but as soon as you get in a, a hilly, uh, trail ultra. Um, it's, it's just a different, different beast and it'll show if you're not, uh, trained for it properly. I appreciate that. And that's definitely, I feel like an area I need to work on. Even whenever I did run JFK, I got lost somehow okay, and added yeah. on a couple extra miles. So oh, that'll get you. Yeah. Knowing the course and kind of being able to even navigate a little bit better would help, but I appreciate that advice. Mm -hmm. And so uh, another question, right? Not for an ultra running uh, superstar in the making like Sarah, but just for somebody like myself, that mid to the back of the pack person is, would either of you recommend uh, going back down to that like road marathon in terms of distance and changing that focus in order to gain some sort of leg speed or some strength that a lot of ultra runners don't have, especially if they like me jumped right up to the trail races and the ultra distances. Yes, absolutely. I would even tell you, take it down to 5k. Um, I ran last night, I ran 30 second hill repeats, like power strides up a hill to keep, cause I felt weak at, uh, on the Hills at, uh, the Super Bowl. Um, so I try to still do one hard track workout, fart lick, type effort every week. I used to do two, two track workouts in the long run is kind of the, the standard that I used to do. Um, when I was training for the really long stuff, like 50 milers and hundred milers, I would do back to back long runs on the weekend. But, uh, 
now um, just with you know work responsibility, stress, and family life, I'm back to one workout a week and one long run. But I absolutely encourage you to keep that leg speed. Uh, I think it's really critical in in long term success, even for for longer races. All right, I I appreciate that. And what about you, Sarah? What do you think? Um, so I'm always a fan of uh, going down in distance because I guess that's where I, I came from. So um, I'm still kind of trying to figure all of that out. Um, but I feel like you know it never hurts to to work on some speed and and it can be kind of fun um just to to switch it up a little bit mentally too um kind of focus on something else and um see see what you can do in it yeah that's yeah the only the caution there is is don't overdo it if you haven't done any track work or speed work or anything like that don't don't just kill yourself you've got to be controlled um because you can, the risk is you can injure yourself if you're not used to it. So build into it, be smart about it and, and don't overdo it, but uh, definitely keeping that turnover and doing some higher intensity stuff will improve your leg speed and your fitness in general, much more rapidly than just running easy all the time. Yeah. I think that's awesome advice. I've done a couple of those like Tabata style runs that I found from yeah. stuff like that. And that, that hurts, but it feels feel pretty good after that. So I'm I'm not one for speed work normally, but it's something probably should add more often. Um, so I think that's good advice. Um, I totally had a question I told Cam I was going to ask, but I totally just forgot it. Um, so I'm gonna have to pass it back to camera. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> no problem there, Go JD. Mm-hmm. And so. Right. You both kind of have different perspectives, obviously, David being uncoached and Sarah having a coach. We just had this debate on our Voss Talks show. But where do you guys stand on that, especially for a runner who's looking to see like truly what they're capable of to like kind of hit those limits? Do you think a coach is necessary or even if necessarily like, excuse me, even if a coach isn't necessary to do that, you think you can get their self coach? Do you think that having a coach is just going to speed that process along? And Sarah, if you want to start this one. Um, I guess it, it's not necessary, um, for success. I, I think it depends on the person. Um, for me, I know, uh, having a coach is, is very, um, important for my success. Um, just so, cause I'm constantly, you know, questioning if I'm doing too much, too little, um, so just having, um, kind of that, uh, that person to just guide me along. Um, but I feel like for some people, um, kind of having that coach, it's almost, you'll, uh, I, sometimes it can get in your head. I feel like it just depends on the person really. Um, if you, if that's going to be your best, biggest success, I just know for me, it really does help. And having that structure, um, and kind of laying things out and having someone else to, to bounce ideas off of as well. So that it's a personal thing for me, I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump in and say, I think it's beyond personal. It's the relationship. It's really that the two way street between you and the coach, if that works, it's great. It works. And uh, Sarah mentioned structure accountability is another thing that having a coach really does. You know, you, you, if you skip a workout or you back off, you know, you got to tell your coach and that's bad. So 
Um, and then on the flip side, if you, you want to go jump in a race and you shouldn't be, and you tell your, you know, you got to tell your coach, they're going to say, mm, I don't think it's a good idea. So just because I'm self-coached doesn't mean I don't think they're valuable. I, I do. It depends on the personal situation. And I, I've actually tossed around the idea of um, trying to find a coach again uh, this year, just to get a little different perspective. Um, I think I have a pretty good system. I don't think there's any magic bullets in training. Uh, I think consistency and uh, just kind of the system I have works well, but to have a little bit different perspective, especially as I get a little bit older, um, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, reaching out to somebody and seeing seeing if uh, it works for me now. The hard part now is I've just got so many uh, family commitments and things like that, uh, work stuff that uh, I can't always say I'm going to work out on Tuesday night. It, sometimes it just has to fit. Sometimes I didn't sleep well. Sometimes I got to get up early for work and, and uh, sometimes I got to pick up the kids. And, and you know, so that's really the flexibility uh, and being able to listen to my body and make adjustments on the fly without having to ask a coach is one of the reasons I haven't had one for a while. Interesting. Um, Cause I would second a couple of those things, especially the work flexibility and being adaptable to your schedule. Like sometimes priorities land where they land and, you know, it would be tough, I think, to find a coach that would be an always on in terms of being responsive about a request to change something or to talk about something. So I can see the difficulty in that area. Um, I'll add to that a little bit, uh, just because um, I kind of had uh, over the past like month with the snow and everything. Um, it has been nice because there was a couple times with the snow and um, I'll I did a few treadmill workouts and there was, um, a few times I, I had a text mic and kind of switch things up a little bit. Just, you know, the weather would be better, you know, this day or that day, or, um, I do a lot of my workouts in the dark and, you know, could I switch this from a Friday to a Saturday where I can do the, um, you know, in the light during the day and watch out for ice and things like that. And he's been really flexible. And, um, there was, you know, a uh, time that I texted him where I was kind of um, bummed to switch it again. And he said that the best training plans um, have flexibility, which really was great to hear. You know, it's, it's okay to be flexible and having that relationship with a coach is key. The, um, yeah. If you guys haven't watched the boss talks that we had, it would be interesting to go back and listen to us bicker about coaches for about an hour if you got time on a run. Um, but we brought up some of these things when I'm, I'm, I like lean towards like David's side, I think in terms of like, not that I don't, dis but I like rather coach myself or whatever, go through that kind of stuff versus being on like uh, having a coach. So that's a f fun debate. And it's, it's interesting to bring other people into that discussion because I, I think it's just a heated and dis lovely topic to talk about on for running. Um, I do have another question in the chat from Turley Marshall that says, David, how gnarly is the Barkley 50 K train compared to Southeast Ohio running? Uh, it's pretty gnarly. Uh, the thing about Barkley is uh, to me, it's, it, it's not a running race. It totally takes away the, my speed. You know, my, my two twenty six marathon speed, totally irrelevant at uh frozen head park um 
you hit the um the briars on rat jaw and i'm no better than anyone else i have no more speed because you just can't get through the briars alone and so um 50k that's about a 10 hour race um so it runs like an 80 80 k plus it's sorry 80 100k something like that um it's yeah it's just totally different and the climbs are as steep as as what we have in ohio but they're about five or six times as long and they've got briars and everything else and it's usually hot that time of year so um i'm glad i did it and i'm glad i can check that box but i don't really see myself going back there it's just not my style of racing yeah and is um to kind of uh add on to that as someone who just went to frozen head last month for the very first time you don't have context for that park until you've been there um and as somebody who's spent almost all of my life and done all of my outdoor adventuring in the Midwest in Appalachia, you don't frozen head is incredibly unique. And there was actually a moment where um, I was running with Samuel Hartman and Steven. I, I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm not going to try it's ultra trail Steven on YouTube. Um, but, and we got to the fire tower and they were like, Oh, look, here's rat jaw. And this is after, you know, the biggest climbs of my life and some of the most like rapidly shifting weather patterns I'd ever seen. And I was like, Oh, it only goes down like 200 feet. And they're like, no, that's the fog. Like come back the next day and take this other trail up and you'll see where it starts. And I did. And it's among the biggest climbs of the day, straight through briars all the way up in some sections, literally like hands like on the ground like having to pull yourself up it's truly like nothing we have in ohio like shawnee forest included fascinating i'm gonna get on there at some point um i did remember my question for sarah finally um and it was regarding olympic trials and road running and and if that was uh still a future goal for you you know you're i think you're still young and running world um so i was curious if that's like something you're going to do eventually or you're going to do immediately when olympic trials come back around or, or what i definitely um want to qualify for the next olympic trials i think it's two years out i believe that you can start to qualify again so um i kind of i want to juggle both uh, i definitely want to try to qualify again because that was a great experience and definitely awesome um, so let's jump into our ending part of the show, the quick questions. Um, Sarah, did we have those last time you were on? Do we have quick questions? I don't think so. Don't I don't think so. Nice. Um, so I'm going to let Cam take his favorite one because he runs this playlist and this is all him. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is the classic one. This is uh, my second favorite one of these to ask everybody. And it's if ultra running had walk up songs like baseball, what would yours be? David, if you want to start with this one. Oh man, you guys told me to think about this and I didn't. <laughs> this is really this looks really bad. Um uh the last time let me think. The last time I raced, um I got champion by Sia stuck in my head. So I'm gonna go with that. Is that you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Definitely heard that song. And what about you, Sarah? So I've been really on a kick of uh, throwing it back to the 2000s. 
So I think we're going to go with um, Run It by Chris Brown. Hmm. I think All it's right. Chris Brown. Yeah. yeah. If if not, we'll... I'll, we'll try to figure that out. Spotify has like all the music, I think. So, you know, yeah. I mean, if Tanner Lee can put the entire Smokey and the Bandit soundtrack on that, I, I think you can get a couple if that's not by Chris Brown. Yeah. It's something like that. I don't know. The throwback. Mm-hmm. And so given our earlier discussion about nutrition, maybe the answer to this question is, is nothing. Right. But what is one thing you guys can't leave an aid station without? tailwind for the most part i guess i did leave without a tailwind but may i'm gonna go with tailwind i can leave an aid station without anything i told you nutrition's not my not my forte <laughs> so i always have grand plans to you know to do this or eat this or take this and once i get to the the, the aid station and i'm in a race situation i just i don't want to stop i'm just going to keep going so i'll leave I'll leave everything at the aid station. Just run. What about a um, post-race meal? Favorite post-race meal? Post-races definitely go on feel. I usually like a Snickers bar or something like that afterward. But um, pre-race meal now, I Mm. I tend to like Olive Garden, I'll admit. What about you, Sarah? Um, Anything Mexican after a race a very large burrito or a taco um, and some good beer. Hmm. All right. And David, do you have a particular Olive Garden order each uh, pre-race meal or do you mix it up? Um, So the key to my Olive Garden order is don't get the salad, get minestrone. So salad, salad in my stomach the night before race, just don't, don't agree. So avoid the salad, get the minestrone and then, um, spaghetti or chicken Parmesan or something like that. It, it whatever it works. All right. And do either of y'all have any pre-race rituals that you do every morning before the race? No, not really. I guess just listen to good music. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell I come over from a, a ball sport that's a lot more ritualistic and ceremonial to running? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and so this will be our uh, final quick question of the night. If you could run with any one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner, we're going to say that they're running with you and they're keeping your pace. You're going to have a nice conversational long run together. Who would it be and why? There you go first. <laughs> Me, dang it. Oh, um, this is, I think, a very tough question because there's just so many people. Um, I don't know why this is someone that comes to mind for, I'm just going to go with Bill Nye, the science guy, because I feel like there's a lot of questions that could be asked and good conversation. So Fascinating. Yeah, interesting answer. Don't know. Mm-hmm. So just that's the yeah, that is a very interesting answer. I, I never would have thought of Bill Nye the science guy, but you know, I it just really came to me. It would be like running with like Neil deGrasse Tyson, like just just interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what about you, David? Did you uh, come up with an answer yet? I don't know. You know, I've I I don't really. I'm not a huge fan of the sport, unfortunately. I, I enjoy it. I love it. So I'm not a huge 
but I'm just not a huge fan of it. I don't, you know, worship people and not a great fan of individuals. So that's kind of hard, hard for me to say, I guess maybe it's kind of a cop out, but if my grandfather were still around, still here, I'd want to go for a run with him and see him again. So that's, that's where I'm going to go with my grandfather. And that's not a cop out. Like we've had so many no. people talk about running with people that they, you know, that passed away that they loved and then want to just have a conversation with again. And yeah. so that's a, those are always hard. All right. If we're going down that route, I'm going with Dwayne Satterfield. So Dwayne Satterfield passed away almost exactly a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. After a really short battle with cancer, he's uh he's a big Barkley uh, runner. I don't think he was ever able to finish, but just a legend in the sport. So um, a lot of people in the Alabama running community really miss Dwayne. So that's, that's definitely where I'd go in that route. All right. Well, we appreciate you sharing that with us, David. Uh, That's a, that's a great answer. And so just to kind of wrap up things tonight, we want to thank you all so much for joining us tonight and sharing your stories about Super Bowl 50K and helping our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Do either of y'all have any sponsors you'd like to plug or anyone you'd like to say thank you to before we close out the show? I mean, um, definitely Mike. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with Mike. All right. Sounds like uh, Sarah needs some sponsors and Tailwind should be on the list somewhere. I think my, my uh, sponsoring days are over, um, but I'll, I'll shout out to my family. Just thank them. Thank my wife and my kids for, for letting me to continue to, to run at a high level in this sport and tolerating the crazy stuff I have to do to, to still run it at, uh, at this level. So they, they have to put up with a lot. So thank you to my family. All right. Well, with that, it, if there's no last minute questions from the John, uh, excuse me, last minute questions from the chat, John, what I'm like the John, am I like the Don now of this? Like, what? no, we don't have any more Mm -hmm. questions in the chat. I think we covered everything. Um, let's see here. Yeah. That's all pretty good with that aspect. Yeah. Um, thanks again, everyone, Ridge Runners for tuning in this episode. Um, we greatly appreciate everyone who watched the show. Like I said before, if you like and enjoy what we're doing, please hit a like, subscribe, share it with a friend. We greatly appreciate it. That's our best way of marketing. Um, I want to thank David and Sarah for joining us this evening. You know, two fantastic runners, two fantastic runners in different areas too. You know, David, you're more experienced. You have a very established career. Sarah, you're coming up. You're going to be a huge superstar in the future. And this was a, a wonderful area to just discuss with both of you, especially with your Super Bowl wins and congrats on both of those. Um, Other than that, I think we're going to get out of here and I want to say thanks to everyone for watching and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. And Sarah, great race. Thank you. You too. Ridge Runner Nation. Thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rosanna Nation. Nation.